All right. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dry Life Podcast. I'm Kayla. I'll be your host. And today we have Ashley from The Unbuzzed here with us. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Kayla. How are you doing today? I'm good. Um, It's been a really good day, actually. Good. I like to hear that. So, Ashley, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your community? All right. Um, Well, I'm a singer-songwriter turned businesswoman, um, and I work at a restaurant um, as well. Um, I created The Unbuzzed almost a year ago with my friend Jean, um, and it was basically born out of kind of a meltdown that I had one day um, (laughs) when I was um, struggling with sobriety, and I just didn't feel normal being 23 at the time and trying to get sober. And um, so I was like there just aren't really a lot of spaces for like young sober people who like still want to have fun and aren't done being fun, but like, you know, like don't really feel like drinking is helping them anymore. And so I created the Unbuzz to try to create that space. And it's really amazing um, getting the chance to like have watched it grow and um, to meet all these incredible people that I've gotten to meet doing it. Yeah. I mean, I think coming from another, you know, a different sober community, but really we're all the same community. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're all intertwined. <laughs> but, you know, what you said stuck out to me, like getting sober at 23, I got sober at 23 too. Um, and it's just, I think obviously sobriety has a stigma, but then like sobriety in your early twenties or in even, you know, like your late teens, which, you know, I've seen before. It's, mm-hmm. it's I think, not to compare other people's sobriety, but I almost feel like there's an extra stigma because it's like, that's your party phase. That's, you know, when you're going out and experimenting the most kind of, you have your most freedom because you don't have real life responsibilities. Not, you know, like quite, may- maybe some people, but. <laughs> well, even, but even if you do, I feel like people just don't really get sobriety at that age. Yeah. Like, um, because I feel like once you're older, like you've met people who like, maybe we're problematic with alcohol or whatever but like you know when you're 23 or even younger um like there's kind of the understanding amongst most um, amongst like a lot of people and most people that I encountered that that's kind of like well you're partying at the right age like that's your like you know that's your party time in life and um you know for some of us that party time is just a little too much for us so um, it's never ending yeah exactly yeah, and I think that's a really great way to put it when I think about it. It's like, I think the only person who I knew that didn't drink when I was that age was my uncle who was sober, who is sober. Um, but, you know, like, I thought like, oh, okay, well, you know, he's older. He had a, you know, a real problem, which it does run, it does, you know, alcoholism is in my family. So yeah, mine as well. But that's not really, you know, of course, you never really attribute it to yourself until you'll have that aha moment. Um, but especially, mm-hmm. I think it's harder when you're younger because it's like, you haven't, like you said, you don't have all the knowledge yet. You're not really like at a point in your life where you can look back and you've really trashed your entire life. Like you're probably Mm -hmm. not getting a divorce. You're probably not losing custody of your kids. You probably don't even have any of those things yet. You know, exactly. what are you really losing? Okay. You're going to jail for a night or okay. You know, you're getting a DUI or all the, all these things that don't seem, I think as rock quote unquote, like rock bottomy. Mm-hmm. But, but I think when you're looking at the rock bottom of a 23 year old versus the rock bottom of a 44 year old, they're going to be different because your priorities yeah. are different. 
Yeah, well, I actually talked about this in a live on my channel um, earlier this week. And it's one of those things where like, my, so I was briefly in AA for um, a short period of time. And um, this one girl I was friends with um, would tell me that your rock bottom is where you stop digging. And I feel yeah. like when you're young, like that's so poignant because it's like, you know, like you might not have hit a major rock bottom yet, but it might be coming, you know, and you don't really know that. Um, and you can't necessarily prevent it unless you, you know, stop the habit that is bringing you to the bottoms that you're experiencing. Yeah, it's, it sucks that most of us, I, I mean, at least in my experience, like, I, I waited until I was so uncomfortable that I couldn't live anymore the way that I was living. Mm -hmm. And then I had to change versus this kind of the trend of, you know, the gray area drinking and people are starting to get sober for the health of it and that preventing that rock bottom, like you said, like they're not digging deeper, mm -hmm. which I think is amazing. You know, like I, if only I could go back to my 20 year old self and be like, okay, bitch, stop. Like, you don't, <laughs> you yes. don't need to get arrested again. You know, like you don't need to get 5150 again. Like it's time. Yeah. Because even now, like at 27, like I'm still reaping the consequences of my actions from four years ago. I've, I've been sober. Like, obviously I'm in the community. Like this is a big part of my life, but like I'm trying to sign a new lease uh, with a place with my boyfriend and they do a criminal background check. And I'm very transparent about this. I don't pass them. Mm -hmm. So it's like, fuck, now I have to go and I have to talk to the, to the owner of the house and explain myself. And it's, you know, I'm proud of who I am today, but I'm still, I'm, I, I admittedly, I don't want to say shame or guilt because I don't think I feel those things, but you know, it's frustrating to look back sometimes at your, at your old self and just be like, why, why did we do those things? Yeah. <laughs> like well, I mean, I'm paying for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was kind of a gray area drinker more than, um, a stereotypical alcoholic but like yeah. I definitely I, I feel that and I feel like there are still certain things that you know um a year later I'm like you know I'm still dealing with and I'm still you know apologizing to certain people who were in my life at that time for like things that I'm like suddenly remembering I did um and you know I think that's kind of normal for a lot of us and a lot of us in this community um because I mean what we all have in common is that for some reason alcohol just wasn't it wasn't working for us, yeah. um, like regardless of how far that took us down that path, you know? Yeah, I, I, I think that's a perfect point. Like, it just doesn't work for some people. Yeah. And that's, I think, a point a lot of us try to get across in our kind of non-traditional sober communities, where mm -hmm. it's like, we're not against people who drink. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, I, I try and tell the difference between anti-alcohol and anti-alcohol drinkers like we're not here to judge people who drink or you know whatever else like we're just here to help people who just want to stop drinking kind of find their way and when when you try to explain that to people or you try to take a I think take an intense stance on you know like basically being anti-alcohol like you know you there's a lot of backlash yeah, I agree with that. Um, one of one of the things when I started the Unbuzz was that I really didn't want to be anti-alcohol drinkers. Like, I love the way you put that. Um, because 
you know, I mean, I spent most of this last year being more sober curious than sober. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I had, you know, I was, I always say I've been sober on and off for the last year and then sober consistently for the last two months. Um, And like, I just, I never wanted there to, I never wanted there to feel like we were discriminating against people who weren't sure yet. Um, Especially because I feel like so many of us go through that period of like, well, like, you know, bad things seem to happen when I drink, but like, I also like, you know, don't know if I should stop. And like, you know, I just, I feel like creating that space for those people is so important. Yeah. It's always the question, like, is it bad enough? You know? Oh, okay. Well, you know, I, cause I don't, I don't think anybody is ever like a hundred percent bad all the time. Like, even though like for me, like my, the way that I drank, like I was a huge binge drinker. I was also doing drugs. Um, and so for me, you know, like I was an extreme, but even still, like I was not this, you know, violent or angry person all the time. Sometimes I was like really fun and, you know, outgoing and a good time to be around, but it was, there was enough bad times to Mm -hmm. really make me question and go, okay, like, is this abnormal? Like, if I'm even questioning my drinking, like a quote unquote normal drinker would never be in this position. Well, yeah, one of the things I've definitely been learning and that I think has been really important for me is that like, if you need to ask yourself that question of like, is it bad enough? Then like, it probably is bad enough that like, it's worth, at least reevaluating. Like you don't necessarily yeah. have to stop forever, but you know, maybe doing around a thousand hours dry and just seeing what that 42 days does for you. Exactly. And that's a huge point that like, I know that we try to push across and it, that kind of got a lot of backslack over the last couple of months is that our community, like our community specifically, like we don't punish people for relapsing and I don't even like to call it a relapse I like to call it a fall forward I saw that Um, and I was so with you guys I was like I I remember like posting something on the unbuzzed and being like being like this is like this is a safe space no matter what like if you want to reset your day counter you want to reset your day counter that's fine if you don't want to reset it that's also fine like we will support you no matter what your personal decision is for like your own sobriety Um, exactly yeah it just it you know, it, it occurred to me, obviously, because I used to do AA too. I actually did it for like the first year and a half of my recovery. Um, and I just remember that being such like a shame point. You know, it's like going into meetings and seeing people who had like a lot of time go out. Like I remember I even had a friend who I went to treatment with. And then we both ended up in LA. And I saw him out one night, like, because I would st- I still go out, you know, like, yeah. And he was drunk. And I was like, Oh, fuck. Like, you know, this is hard to see. This is somebody who like runs, who's like a manager of a sober living, who I see mm-hmm. in meetings all the time. And I don't even think he's still back in the program. Like, I think he's been out for, you know, it's probably been like a year now or something. But I think, a, you know, and I, I hate to shit on other programs, but like, I'm going to a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think the the shame that comes around traditional 12 step programs of relapsing keeps people out, you know, I agree. I don't, I don't know his, what's going on in his mind, but I have a feeling that like, when, especially like when you're somebody who's like in the community, like, you know, maybe you have commitments at meetings or, you know, like you're sponsoring people and then all of a sudden, like, nope, like, sorry, you slicked up and like, now we're going to take away your sponsees. 
you are, mm-hmm. you're going to take away your commitment. Like you have to go up and take a chip that lets everybody know that you relapse. It's like, that's fucking frightening and terrifying. I don't want to do that. No. And I, I think I, I'm very much with you. And part of the reason I chose not to pursue sobriety in that traditional AA kind of way was that I felt like that particular culture wasn't going to work for me. Like I was, I was one of those people who I was like, if I, if I feel like I've majorly fucked up when I have one drink, like I'm not going to stop. And I didn't want to end up in that situation. So um, while I think AA is super valuable for a lot of people, it just wasn't valuable for me. Um, And I think it's important that we all have our own, um, you know, methods for to get sober and methods to um, stop drinking and to make our lives as valuable and um, fulfilling as possible. Exactly. And I think as somebody who's been in that community, like I've taken things that I've learned from when I was in program and applied them to the dry, like the dry community, because I think they're extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to relapsing and, and that whole, you know, realm, it's such a dark and un you know, like nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody, it's, it's still, such a dark place and I think a big part of what I wanted to change and what I wanted to differentiate between the dry club and other you know traditional sober communities was that exactly like if you feel like you need to reset it for whatever reason maybe you went out for like more than one night maybe it was like a couple weeks Mm -hmm. you know or truly there's something internally that says like I want to start over like this doesn't feel fair but like in my personal experience and you know I shared it right away when I when I relapsed um a couple months ago was Mm -hmm. just I had a really fucking bad night in the middle of COVID you know in an in a new relationship luckily I've known my boyfriend for a very long time Mm -hmm. but the relationship itself has was new and it just I felt this I felt in the moment I remember it like just being completely hopeless I was like my whole future is gonna fucking be different than I thought it was Um, I don't, I don't really see a way to fix it right now. And Mm -hmm. so in that moment, you know, I went for something that it was like that automatic old habit in that moment. It's late at night. You know, I'm not, I can't go to yoga class. It's like 11 PM. Um, and I had set myself up, you know, and instead of what, obviously I wish I would have done, which, you know, take a walk, uh, try and lay down, uh, call my therapist, you know, kind of a thing. I went and I drank, didn't drink a lot, just drank a little. And the next day I woke up and was like, that was fucking dumb. And it literally didn't serve any purpose. Yeah. And in that moment, I was like, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to throw away almost four years of sobriety and change my, what, you know, change to me. It's like, that's not even, I don't even like to think of it as like, that's the day that I got sober. It's like, that's the day that I started to change my lifestyle. And like, my lifestyle has not changed just because I had one night of a slip up and so it's like you know that's like yelling at a vegan person like they're not no longer vegan because they like have one chicken nugget oh yeah you know like what why is this the only program that like punishes you Mm -hmm. for not doing for not doing a hundred fucking percent yeah and there's and there's so much more to sobriety than just not drinking too that like yes um that like it's it's just so hard to reset just because you drank you know what I mean like you drank that night but like 
you probably have done all these other things to make your life better and to be where you are right now. Um, and you probably have all these tools and things that like you've spent these four years um, cultivating and to just mm-hmm. like, and to just be like, Oh, okay, well I drank. So now I have to like go back to zero. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like you're not starting from the same place you were starting from in the beginning. Exactly. And, and it almost, you know, I hate, you know, because the OCD part of me does kind of, and the the old AA kind of railed into my brain. Mm-hmm. It it tells me like you you have to start over. You don't like you don't get to keep that date. Mm-hmm. And then I have to challenge myself and and say like, why does an old dude named Bill get to decide <laughs> exactly. how I live my life? You know, today, like why? What authority does he have that I don't? And what does that mean for me? It, it just, I have the, the lesson I learned, and this was part of what I put in, you know, how we're making our app mm-hmm. is we have a progress tracker. So it's like, you know, day one to day 42. And that's obviously the thing that came up with me. And I was talking to the coders is like, okay, well, what if somebody drinks? Like, do they have to start over? And I was like, okay, absolutely not. Like we're not doing this shit, <laughs> you know, like instead, you know, it's, there's almost going to be a pop-up at like the beginning of every day, just asking like, did you drink yesterday? Yes or no. And then what we decided is if the person clicks yes instead, and this is what I had been recording my voice for earlier, um, (laughs) is like I I had written like a little excerpt about just like my personal experience with relapse and how it's, how it's okay. And it's, it's a learning experience. And you just ask yourself certain questions, you know, like, why did I drink? Like, what did I learn from this? You know, what could I have done instead of it? And you move forward. And then literally you just get to keep going on with your day count. There's no, it's not a punishment. It's a check-in. And if anything, it's a, it's a reward or we're hoping, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to like give badges and stuff mm-hmm. because it's like, you're being accountable. You're being honest. Yeah. With, not only with, you know, like with us, but with yourself, which is more important. And I, I just feel like, people will resonate with with that so much more and I I get it like there is obviously science behind you know day counting and holding people accountable to like certain days Mm -hmm. and and things like that that's why a token society works you know like rewarding people but I think punishing people doesn't work yeah I agree so you know it's a slippery slope. I think not everybody agrees with it. And that's why, like you said, it's a personal choice. Yeah. Bottom line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, it's very, your date counter is just something that I think everybody should make the decision about themselves um, because we all know ourselves better anyway than, you know, some old guy named Bill. So <laughs> exactly. Like it just, it kind of becomes one of those things as I think somebody with more with with long-term sobriety like I look back and like I don't count days anymore like it's been a long time since I've counted days I'll look at my counter once in a while and obviously like I know my my year mark but besides Mm -hmm. that it it doesn't really factor in and so it's like I know in the beginning I was like super you know like about it about the milestones um you know super intense about like I gotta make it to this many days I gotta I, I have to do this but then I think the more time you get and as you said like recovery is not just not drinking like that's just not drinking yeah like recovery is working on your internal self you know finding your spirituality 
healing your trauma. Like there's so setting many boundaries. That's yeah, my, setting that's boundaries. my biggest Ugh. one. That one changed my life. Like before, before I just like, you know, I let people walk all over me and I was in an abusive relationship. And then, you know, um, once I stopped drinking and I started like really setting boundaries, my life just completely morphed into something so much more fulfilling. Yeah. And it, that's probably one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. I mean, I think that like, that's what I mean when I say that like, you know, sobriety is about more than just not drinking is like, it's just, it's some of the other stuff you have to do is so much harder and, you know, not drinking is kind of a vehicle for being able to do those things. Yeah. I, that's, I think, figure out what somebody said to me once, but it was all along the lines of like sobriety and recovery. And the difference is that just not drinking, like that's you ordering the Uber. Mm-hmm. Like, but you got to get in the Uber and you got to take the Uber to your destination. <laughs> and that's where the work is. Like, you can't just call the fucking Uber. Like, you yeah. have to do it yourself. So, I mean, shit. Yeah. I think about like my first year and a half of sobriety and like I was dating a meth addict at the time. And so it's like I wasn't even in recovery, honestly. Like, my behavior, my habits, and I had just kind of switched my codependency on alcohol and drugs to like fixing another person who was very, very damaged. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people in recovery, like we're at risk of kind of these comorbid, you know, disorders, like codependency, uh, eating disorders, mm-hmm. uh, gambling, there's so many things. And I know that you talk about that yeah. um, a lot in your community, uh, because eating disorder was part of your story, correct? Yes. Um, so I've struggled with an eating disorder for the last 10 years of my life, um, that included both restricting and binging. Um, so I found as I started to recover that there was, that they, um, like being dry, um, alcohol free, sober, however, whatever you want to call it. Um, and my eating disorders were so intertwined that there was no real way for me to continue to speak about my recovery. Um, without also speaking about my eating disorder recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, we rebranded pretty recently. And that was one of the things that I was really adamant that we really start talking about. Um, because I think that a lot of people have struggled with some form of an eating problem and that alcohol is so often used to um, like numb your hunger signals and um, so often hides eating disorders. Um, and they're also both often born out of a want to control things. Yes. I know as I'm like perfectionist still, like I would say recovering, but I'm totally still a perfectionist. <laughs> you know, I have OCD and it's something that I go to cognitive behavioral therapy for. Um, but it's, it's very interesting how parallel all these different, you know, disorders are. And how it just comes down to you just, you want all, all I want is to be loved and to be in control of the situation mm-hmm. and not, and safe. I want to feel safe. And I know, you know, just like drinking, just like getting high for me, just like, you know, I've gone through phases of binging and purging and restricting where it's like, it's just about, I need to feel in control of the situation because my life feels very out of control, mm-hmm. but I can control this right now. And I still do that with like, I pick my face, like that's a huge thing for me, like picking my skin and then like cleaning. Like I'm the kind of person that like, I can't even leave the house 
unless all the dishes are done. Like I will be late to something because I'm finishing the dishes, (laughs) like something important, you know? And it's like, just honestly, I can't do it. Yeah. And, and, but, but part of that, and I realized I was like, oh shit, this is the discomfort that I was trying to, to cover up with all these other things, like alcohol being like the number one thing is like, I'm so uncomfortable in my own body, in my own mind, that like, I'm constantly looking for things to do, clean, exercise, drink, you know, eat, whatever it is, to, yeah. co- to, to, to not feel that. And God forbid, I sit and feel it like, unacceptable. Yeah, well, I mean, sitting with your feelings is truly, I think, one of the hardest things that a person can have to do, especially, you know, when you are going through something really intense. Um, Like, I mean, addiction doesn't exist in a vacuum. Most people who Mm -hmm. struggle with addiction or, you know, eating disorders um, or really any similar um, condition, usually they're going through some sort of or have gone through some sort of major trauma um and so I think it's just it's important to have that self-compassion with like that like the stuff you're going through might be really hard to sit with sometimes (laughs) I know I mean I I shit you not I don't know if you saw it was like a TikTok and I don't even have a TikTok I feel like I'm too old for one but um (laughs) I know I saw like a TikTok on Instagram and it was this girl and she was like oh you know like what I think meditation is going to be and it was like spirituality like loving myself finding finding my internal and then it's like what it actually is and then it's like this like doom and gloom music like trauma heartache (laughs) all the things I've been covering up it's like fuck like I'm I'm starting to realize why subconsciously I had been avoiding meditation because that used to be something that I was super into like I used to do DBT therapy a couple mm-hmm. years ago, like right before I got sober, um, because I had a re- I get really bad panic attacks, mm-hmm. and I like go through phases sometimes of like agoraphobia, where if you don't know what that means, it means like I'm basically afraid to leave my house. Mm-hmm. Um, and to get out of that, you know what? I, what do I have to do? I have to be fucking uncomfortable, and I'm doing that now with exposure therapy with my driving. I've been in a lot of car accidents and a motorcycle accident, and driving scares the shit out of me but I have to do it. You know, yeah. like, I have to push the discomfort and ugh, God, even thinking about it makes me anxious. Um, <laughs> well, I actually don't have a driver's license. So I totally feel well, you. There. I wish like, I, I wish I, I, I wish in, I, could I live never. in New York to hide away from cars. So <laughs> That's, honestly, like, I'm not even kidding. I've thought about it. I'm like, maybe I should just live somewhere where driving is like not a thing because <laughs> my life, I swear sometimes like my, my life revolves around my anxiety and it, I, I go back to why I was drinking. It's like, oh, I didn't have these, this, I didn't have this quote unquote problem before. Like I totally had plenty of problems before, <laughs> way more than I do now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think why personally, like I love Quitlet, but a lot of the books that I read personally are about habits. Like I'm reading The Atomic Habit now, one of my favorite books and actually the book that inspired me to start a 1000 Hours Dry was the book, The Power of Habit. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, like addiction's not a vacuum. And so to me, it's like, if I'm just gonna stop drinking, I know that's not gonna be enough. Like what what am I doing in my life that has brought me to this lifestyle? So like reading all these books on like habit change for me personally has been such 
a motivating factor because I'm realizing like it's all these small things that I'm doing every day that are either leading me up to leading or to living, excuse me, a healthy lifestyle or an unhealthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, it's all about prevention. You know, like I said, with the meditation, it used to be something that I did all the time when I was going to therapy, you know, three times a week and they're pushing all that stuff on me. And I was like, Oh, this is working. And it did, it worked great. But then eventually mm-hmm. like everything else, I stopped doing it. I stopped doing my other mindfulness things and life happened. And then oop, I have like an emotional relapse and I am no longer meditating and I go back to it. And I was like, I kept avoiding it. And I was like, why am I avoiding this? Like, it's just meditation. It's, it's like five to 10 minutes out of my day. That's not a big deal. And I finally have been doing it. I, I told myself I was going to do it this 1000 hours dry, like in mm-hmm. place of, and it's been fucking hard because I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm sitting here with all of my thoughts, which are so intrusive and negative. This is why I've been avoiding this. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Great. it's it's definitely super hard to sit with your feelings. But I think that a lot of times things get resolved much easier when we do. Oh, totally. And like journaling, like sometimes I'll just write and write and write or like what I like to do if I'm trying to send a text message to somebody and it's maybe it's like heated or it's like not very nice or I'm being passive aggressive, which I like to be, um, <laughs> I'll send it to myself mm. and then I'll find that I read it as if I'm the, you know, person getting the text message. And I think it just even seeing that little blue bubble instead of the white one or whatever, like makes the difference of like, Oh, I'm on the receiving end of this. This seems like this is not the point I'm trying to get across or, yeah. you know, and, th- and things like that, you just, you learn all these little tools where before it's like something like that, just sending a different kind of text message. Five years ago, I would have sent a nasty text message, started a fight, you know, cried, and then went out with my friends and got drunk. And that would have been like <laughs> the catalyst, you know, to this. And that would have been my excuse for the night. Well, fuck him. I'm going to go party with my friends. Yeah. Now, now you like, you mature, I think a big part of not drinking is you get to mature quicker. Yeah, absolutely. Which is hard, you know, emotional intelligence, you know, I, I think is it's, it's a muscle. It can grow, it can shrink. Um, but you, you have the capability of growing it much quicker when you're not drinking, but it can be scary. Like you said, with, with mindfulness, sitting with your feelings, sitting with the reality of situations Mm-hmm. you know, and, and accepting things how they are, like, it's all very difficult, but it's all possible. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, if you, if somebody is listening right now, and they're sober curious, or, you know, like, like you were, you know, kind of back and forth, what would you, what advice would you give them to kind of help them teeter one way? Probably, hopefully our way. <laughs> yeah. Well, this I way. would definitely, like, just to start off, uh, I definitely recommend um, that if, you know, you're kind of curious about whether sobriety is right for you, um, to at least give it a shot. Um, I think what worked for me was kind of just reflecting on my mental health and where I wanted to be in life um, and kind of you know, taking that break from alcohol and realizing where I was getting when I wasn't drinking. Um, Like, I feel like I'm so productive and 
I'm present in my relationships and, um, you know, I still get to have the fun experiences of, um, you know, having a glass of like alcohol-free wine in my hand when I want to, but, you know, I don't, I don't end up numb and unable to do my work the next day. Um, and for me, like, you know, running the unbuzzed is so important to me. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of people's careers are really important to them. And that was something that I just don't feel like I gave the attention that, you know, I wanted to give it when I was drinking. Um, so I think like my biggest, my biggest advice is just like to, you know, give being sober a fair shot and see, you know, how your habits change and um, what you're drawn to and, you know, see if you like that side of you better because like I don't really want to get my drunk self back <laughs> no definitely not it, I, I, <laughs> I love how you put it and I I think the best metaphor for it that I've that I've ever heard was comparing it to like creating a smoothie so like when you get a smoothie at a, let's say like at your favorite smoothie shop mm-hmm. you have you have a favorite smoothie you have everything in it already you just take it as it comes because that's what's on the menu. So it's kind of like society. Okay. Alcohol consumption is a regular part of society. It's a regular part of, you know, American college culture and young Mm -hmm. and young, you know, like even high school culture. So like, I'm just going to do it. You don't even know what life is possible, like without, you know, the banana in the smoothie or without the extra maple syrup in it. It's like, just take it out and see what it, see what it's like. Like you might not even realize it's gone. Like to me, Mm -hmm you know, it's taking that one ingredient out and you you notice a little bit of a change at first and eventually you don't even remember what it was like, you know, with the full ingredient back. And like, for me, like the relapse, I went back and kind of, it's like adding that sugar to the smoothie and you're like, ugh. Yeah. Like, well, too much. Can, no, thank you. That's the thing. You can always go back to alcohol. You just, exactly. prob- you just probably aren't going to want to, in my experience, at least, yes. um, once you cut it out, because there's so much else to life. And like, I, I know that I got pretty caught up in it. Um, and, you know, some people might not get totally swept up off their feet by alcohol. But, um, you know, usually if you're sober curious, there's a reason for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, you're right, alcohol will always be there for you. And so if you're sober curious, remember that. But opportunities, relationships, um, they're not always going to be there. No. And so that's, that's the, the trade-off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, there was a point where I just had to decide if I wanted to continue to make progress or if I wanted to give it up to drink. And I just wasn't willing to give up um, you know, where I had started to, where, you know, where I'm, where I have ended up so far. And um, I'm just excited to see where I go next. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's going to be amazing. And I, I highly recommend as Ashley does, if you are sober curious, just give it a try. Like, you don't have to commit to a certain day, you know, you can try 1000 hours drive. But like we said, like, if you if you slip up, there is no judgment, there's no punishment. Um, Ashley, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners where that they can find you? Okay. Um, so you can find me at the underscore unbuzzed on Instagram um, or at my personal page um, at Ashley Mullenix on Instagram. Um, or you can email me at the at gmail.com. Awesome. And I actually 
no guys she's been selling some really cute merch which is <laughs> there there is honestly there's really not a lot of sober like cute merch out there that doesn't scream like sobriety on it so make sure you go to her page and check it out yeah so thank you so much for being on the show today Ashley thank you so much for having me of course and thank you to everybody who tuned in we will be uh here again next Thursday with another guest so stay dry all right guys bye bye